Where's that recession we were promised? Welcome to Common Sense on the Prairie, a podcast dedicated to helping you demystify the sometimes complex topic of money. I'm Adam Cox, head of wealth management for the First National Bank in Sioux Falls. We're a community bank based out of South Dakota. In this podcast, we share expert insights from around the country and stories from our local community to arm you with the tools you need to make better financial decisions. Because the truth is, the more we talk about this stuff, the better off we're all going to be. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Sipperly. As you likely know by now, Kyle leads our investment team and is always reluctantly willing to join the show. On this episode, Kyle and I are going to discuss what's going on in the markets, how we got here, and how you can take advantage of these current market conditions. I hope you enjoy this episode. Kyle Sipperly, good to have you back. A couple questions to start off. Well, maybe it's a two-part question. First statement. Last time you and I talked on the show, we talked about music, and you professed to the world your love of jam bands. First question, are you surprised by how many people have seen that clip and commented back to you about it? And second question, if you had to pick one jam band to rule them all, who would it be? Yeah, I've been surprised by the reaction I've gotten from that question. I think some people saw that, and I think they picture me as one of those guys at the Grateful Dead concerts, just kind (laughs) of... roaming around and tie-dye and stuff like that. I just want to make it clear to everybody out there, that's that's not me. That's not. Okay. Um, I, my, favorite, uh, my favorite jam band, I mean, in college, I was a big Dave Matthews guy. Who wasn't? Uh, so, you know, I'm not really, I wouldn't say the jam band, but my two favorite bands right now are probably the Lone Bellow and Camp, which nobody watching this or listening has never heard of, but I really uh, like them. Incorrect. I have downloaded Lone Bellow songs because I still buy music one at a time because I'm ancient. You got the cassette too? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And I saw Camp Live. Really? Didn't care for him. Okay. Yeah, I like the acts on either side of him. Didn't care for him. That doesn't surprise me. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> it's fine. But you know, I'm not, I'm not one to knock on music. Chris Stapleton put out a new song the other day from his new album. I almost had to take the day off. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about markets. Uh, we don't do this very often, but we are in an interesting time, mm-hmm. and we get a lot of questions about markets, what's happening, what's coming around the corner. So I thought we'd chat about that a little bit today. But before we dive into what's happening right now, I thought maybe we'll just do a brief history lesson because I think it's instructive to, to lead into where we're at now and what might be coming. So just for everyone's benefit, let's start back in 2020. So we got hit by the pandemic. Basically, everybody got told to stay home. The government pumped a bunch of money into the system, and we all used it to buy furniture <laughs> or fitness equipment or whatever the heck we bought. And the markets, I mean, they took a, a dump, frankly, right away at the beginning of the, the, the pandemic, but then they rallied. And I think the S&P ended up something like um, 16% up, something like that for 2020. Then 2021 comes, the good times kept rolling. S&P again, up huge. So it was like 27%, something like that. All-time highs, everything worked. Then 2022 comes around. And that was like a punch in the face. <laughs> so nothing worked in 2022. And stock market, way down. Bond market, also way down, which is surprising because normally in 
times when the stock market is not doing so hot, your, your bonds are there to help kind of keep your portfolio up. That didn't happen either. And some people have called it like the worst year for bonds in history. So before we launch into 2023, Kyle, I'd love to get your big takeaways from 2022 because that'll help kind of frame where we're at right now. Yeah. So if you go back to the beginning of 2022, uh, where were we? We had interest rates at zero. Yep. You, know, you were earning zero on any safe money that you had set aside in a bank account or in short-term bonds. The 10-year government bond was at around one and a half percent. And then in March, the Fed started raising interest rates and they took rates from basically zero up to 5%. Mm. And they did that because inflation was a lot higher than they wanted it to be. Mm. And when you take interest rates up that fast, it, it breaks stuff. And so that's the main reason why uh, the stock market went way down. Yep. And, and bonds had suffer, such a rough year. And the lesson from that, of course, to me at least, is that it's always the stuff you're not worried about that gets you into trouble with investing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, going into 2022, nobody was talking about Russia, Ukraine. Uh, nobody re really was predicting interest rates going, ending the year around 5% or whatever. Yep. And so the, the lesson there is to expect the unexpected, mm. to expect you're going to have surprises. And so anytime, you know, a lot of people in, in my seat in, in this industry like to make a lot of predictions about where the economy is going to go mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. And, and I always just kind of take it with a grain of salt and don't pay much attention because it's not that we aren't good at predicting the economy most of the time. It's just that it's the surprises that, that all that matters Yep. when it comes to investing and when it comes to markets, the big down movements, whether it's COVID-19 or Russia, Ukraine, whether it's interest rates going from zero to five Pearl Harbor, 9-11, it's always the stuff nobody's talking about that causes the biggest disruptions. Yep. And so 2022 is just another example of that where, it, you know, you got surprised by a couple of things and that's what caused big moves. And so how, do we, how does that affect how we manage money then for our clients? We just take the approach that we are always expecting one to two recessions a decade, mm. you know, to be surprised. And so 2022, I was actually pleasantly surprised by our clients and how calm they were throughout the whole period. Yep. I mean, I think that was a big takeaway for me about 2022 as well, was that I would have expected clients to have a much tougher time last year. And, and mm. frankly, they they didn't. They they rode through it pretty well. And I think that might be just because in the back of people's minds, they understood maybe we got more than we deserved from the markets mm, sure. during COVID in yep. 2020 and 2021. And so we just sort of felt like we were giving back some of the gains that were ill-gotten or that were uh, not deserved maybe. Um, and then with interest rates, although you know going from zero to five percent is painful for a bond portfolio that you already own, uh, it, it is nice in that it felt like a pay raise a little bit. You know, for for much of the last ten to fifteen years, savers have been really penalized. Yeah, um, you know, borrowers have benefited from low interest rates, and so I think as I look across our client base, um, our conservative investors finally able to earn some interest. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, inflation was also present, so you didn't really feel like you were making much progress, but being able to earn 5% on, on cash, it's been a long time. Yep. And um, I think that is a, a positive coming out of 2022. So yep. painful year, but I think where we sit now, it's a positive. Well, I think it also helped too that, you know, I think we do a pretty good job talking a lot with clients about, you know, what to expect. And we're not people who are always, it's always going to be, the sun is always going to be shining. And it's always going to be 70 degrees. That's just not in the reality, especially not in South Dakota. Um, so we do, I think, do a lot of coaching with our clients to say, you know, 
every few years, there's going to be something that is going to unexpectedly come up and, and be an issue for us. And we just have to be prepared for that. And I think that's a lot psychological. If you talk about it beforehand, then when it does come, you say, we've been preparing for this and we've structured your portfolio appropriately. So, all right. So that was 2022. We're in August of 2023 now, which is kind of hard to believe. What have you been your takeaways from from this year so far? Yeah, I think for for this year, everybody's surprised how well the economy is holding up. Yep. Uh, I think you. Know, I think everybody would have expected we'd be in a recession or just stuff would be broken in the economy, mm-hmm. uh, especially like the housing market with how fast mortgage rates have moved up. Yeah. Um, but uh, the economy seems to be doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think the good news is the inflation seems to be coming down. Yep. Uh, it it's uh, it com- comes down every time they report it. It's still too high compared to where the Fed wants it. They want it to be 2%. And right yep. now it's, according to their measure, about 4%. Yep. Uh, so we still have some ways to go, but I think everybody's relieved that it's stopped going up, that inflation seems to be coming down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that unemployment is still really low. Uh, people still have their jobs. And that's kind of the, the simple way I look at it. As long as people have their jobs, they're going to spend money. And as long as people are spending money, the economy is going to do okay. Yep. Um, I think that nobody would have expected the stock market, including me, to be up 20% this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of the S&P 500 index, it's up 20.5%. Um, part of that's because the biggest companies, the big tech companies that were down a lot last year are up a lot this year. Yep. And so it's just a little bit of rally in those stocks. If you just look at the what's called the equal weight S&P 500, which to give you an idea of what the average stock is up this year, it's about 10%. Okay. So yeah. not as good as the S&P 500, but... Um, still, stock market is extremely strong. Interest rates keep ticking up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fed just raised rates again last week, um, but it, it's the economy seems to be kind of humming along, and I think that year to date has been a big surprise. Yeah, to me, just kind of watching it, um, obviously not as closely as you, it's felt a little bit uneven. You know, I think some of the biggest companies are doing really, really well, especially some of the, the biggest tech companies. Um, particularly if they're in the AI space, they seem to be really having some outsized gains and people are really paying attention to that. And I think there's some peaked interest and in, well, hey, maybe we should load up our portfolios a little bit more with that. And maybe one of the cautions that we always give is like, okay, well, let's look back at even recent history. And some of those same companies got absolutely crushed last year. And so while they are up big this year, they're just kind of coming back from the lows where they were last year. And so that equal weighted index, I think makes a little bit more sense because there are still parts of the economy that that aren't doing as as hot. And, you know, we've had we've had a banking issue this year. Not everything is on fire. So that, that makes that makes some sense to me. So you talked a little bit about interest rates going up. And the Fed is raising interest rates at the fastest pace in 40 years or so. Um Basically, what they're trying to do, cool the economy and get inflation back down to its target of 2%. And in so doing, the yield curve is inverted. And so there's lots of warning signs that are out there. And in 2022 and early 2023, all the experts, you mentioned experts, um, they have been breathlessly predicting that we would be in a recession in 2023, like full stop guarantee we're going to be in a recession. So I guess the natural question becomes, where's the recession? Yeah, I think I think first it'd be 
helpful to understand what a recession actually is. Yeah. It's one of those words everybody throws around. I think generally everybody knows what that is, what it looks like, but um, some people refer to a recession as two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. In other words, the economy's slowing down. Mm -hmm. We actually had that in 2022, but we didn't call it a recession because there's actually a committee of eight, eight people on something called the National Bureau of Economic Research or NBER. Okay. They get together throughout the year and they look at various factors on spending, industrial production, incomes, et cetera. Sounds like a party. And yeah, right. <laughs> um, and they decide whether or not we're in a recession. So it's kind of a committee decision whether or not we're in a recession. Interesting. Um, and they document past history of, of recessions and that's kind of their, the purpose of the committee. Well, so far they haven't said we've been in a recession, but you, they don't ever say we're in one until it's already over or oh. <laughs> it's already started. And so you don't really know for, for sure. But I, I would say that sitting here today, uh, as soon as this goes public, we'll probably be in a recession or something. Sure, but like yeah. um, sitting here today, uh, it looks like we're we're not in a recession. The last GDP report was was positive, and people still have their jobs and are spending money and and so yep. forth. But um, you know, what will cause a recession would be something that we're not expecting. Something mm -hmm. that we're it's the unknown unknowns, if you will. It's the, the stuff nobody's talking about that really could throw us for a loop. That's what sure. caused the last recession in 2020 even though it lasted like two months because of all the um, government bailouts and so on that, yep. that occurred during COVID. That was the last recession we had. The one before that was in 07 to 09. Uh, that one was a little bit more acute, more painful, lasted mm -hmm. longer. So this time around, who knows? Um, you kind of knew we weren't going to get one once everybody started speaking with some certainty that we were going to get one this year. Yes. Uh, people that normally would say, yeah, there's a 40% chance of a recession just so that they could never look too wrong. Yep. Started saying 90% chance earlier mm. this year that we'd get a big recession yep. in 2023. Yep. And one, once I started hearing that, I'm like, well, we're probably not going to get one because mm -hmm. that's kind of when, kind of what happens. Yep. It's when everybody's expecting something is usually smart to like go the other way. Yep. Um, so I don't know what will, when we'll get a recession and what will cause it. And I just repeat an earlier point, which is that our approach as investors is not in predicting when a recession will come and then try to like sell everything and sidestep it. That just never works. Yep. You know, the economy just isn't predictable in that kind of way. Yep. So the way we approach it mentally and the way that we coach our clients on it, frankly, is that it's like a snowstorm in South Dakota, right? We know they're coming. <laughs> we sort of know to expect them. We know how we're going to react when we get them, Yep. but it might not snow the entire month of November or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. So you just have to, but that doesn't then reduce the chance that we won't get snow in December or anything like that. So, so we just approach investing and, and managing our clients money that we know we're going to get a recession on average. Historically, it's two a decade. Yep. And, and so we just expect that we don't predict when they come, but we expect that they're going to happen. We plan accordingly. We plan accordingly by making sure our clients have enough cash set aside so that they can meet all their obligations. So we're not having to sell at a bad time if mm -hmm. the market does go down. And we're always doing research, even in peace times, if you will, <laughs> on types of investments we would want to own. So we try to know a bunch of different situations and then we just wait for the right price. Yep. So we would react to a recession by buying, by you know, um, by the lower prices that tend to be served up by a recession. Sure. So. Surprised we don't have one just like everybody else going into this year. Um, but who knows if we'll get one anytime soon. Well, we all turn into armchair economists 
too during times like this. And I mean, you know, we exchange, we've got a good texturing with our friend Joe Dilla. We exchange headlines that we see um, as indicators of maybe the Fed has gone far enough and maybe the Fed hasn't gone f- quite far enough yet. Uh, what did we see the other day? We were, we were joking about the people paying $4,000 to get their daughters in the right sorority. Right. So, so may, maybe uh, Mr. Powell and the other chairman have a little little bit further to go. Yeah. Anytime I see something crazy like that, uh, you know, last year, it, two years ago, it was all the crypto yep. schemes. And so, you know, my, I just kept saying over and over, we just need higher rates. You yep. just get such weird outcomes and, and markets in the economy and, yep. and with, with rates at zero. I mean, especially as long as it, as it lasted. And yeah. so, yeah, the... The four thousand dollars sorority consultants tell me we might not be done with <laughs> raising rates, and so Still we a little ways going. to go. Still yeah. ways to go. All right. So, given everything that happened starting in twenty twenty, where basically you know we told everybody to stay home, and then threw trillions of dollars into the economy, is it safe to say we don't really have a playbook for for what happens next? Um. Yeah, I th- but I think that's true. Any t- any time, any moment you're in the economy, you know, it's um, you know the the saying is that uh, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Yep. And so I, I would say the moment that we're in right now, it, there are some times in the past that you had similar situation. So coming out of World War II would be an example of something mm-hmm. uh, where there was an event. In that case, it was World War II. This time it was COVID, where there was a lot of uh, money printing and the, but a lot of um, restricted access to goods and services and so on. Um, and you know, the year my dad was born in 1946, inflation started that year at one percent and it ended at like 13 or 14 percent. So wow. um, there are periods in the past where you had inflation picking up or you had low interest rates, um, but the, you know the situation's different this time too. Yeah. So. To that extent, there is no playbook exactly for this moment. You know, um, rapid monetary policy, yeah, monetary and fiscal reaction to a pandemic is not something that we've at least in our lifetimes had to deal with. No, but um, so again, you know, it, it goes just ex- expecting the unexpected, being yep. prepared, but also re- reading history so that you're not blown away by the moment. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. to realize that there are always times of you know being uncertain. That's always the thing that always kind of makes me cringe a little bit when I hear it is that, you know, it aren't, isn't, aren't things really uncertain? People always want to say that, you know, yep. aren't things uncertain right now? And I, you know, I just always say that th- things are always uncertain, mm-hmm. you know, times are always uncertain. And so to that extent, I don't really, you know, worry about the, the moment we're in or that there isn't some exact parallel to where we're sitting today. Sure. Um, you just have to study things and just always be prepared. Yep. So from your chair, Kyle, what are you paying attention to in the near term? Yeah, I would say, you know, as it relates to the economy, obviously we want to make sure that inflation keeps coming down um, because inflation really is awful for a society, for an economy. And so um, it's in everyone's best interest that inflation comes down, whether you're, you know, shopping at the grocery store or you're, you've got all your money in U.S. dollars or what have you. It's It's better for inflation not to exist at the present rates. And so we want to be paying attention to hope, make sure that come, that comes down. Yep. But it, as usual, you know, the best part about my job is that the prices are changing every day mm-hmm. on stocks and on bonds. And so um, we just pay very close attention to areas of stress. You know, one example might be um, 
REITs or real estate investment trusts, mm. you know, uh, office buildings, you know, those types of stocks are down 80 plus percent. Yep. Uh, so anytime prices are down a lot like that, that's where we kind of roll up our sleeves and and dig in a little bit. Um, so we're we're paying attention there. Uh, in in bonds, uh, we're looking at a lot of opportunities in mortgage backed securities, bank CDs, things like that that we think are interesting. Yep. Um, so there's always something to do in markets, mm-hmm. and that's the frankly the thing I like the most about it is that you know that's the opportunity because yep. the prices are constantly changing, and you know that the val- underlying values of the stocks that you're looking at aren't as volatile as the prices are. Yep. And so if you can keep your wits about you as you're looking at, you know, stocks in particular, there's, there's going to be times where um, there's a lot of money to be made. Sure. And so we spend a lot of our time as an investment team doing the research well in advance and when it comes time to purchase so that we're, you know, in March of 2020, we sort of know what to do. You don't want to start your research process <laughs> in March of 2020. <laughs> right. Um, and so that's kind of where we're at right now uh, with stocks. There really isn't too much to do, no matter how you look at it. Stock market looks pretty pricey. Yep. And so we're not buying hand over fist like we would be in tough times. Sure. So. Well, this cycle, like all economic cycles, um, does present some opportunities for people. So I think we'll leave with this question, is, you know, who would be someone who would benefit from where we're at in the market right now? And what are some of those opportunities you're looking at? I would say for particularly our older clients, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've been starved for income for a long, long time. Mm. You know, people that have done the right thing their whole lives, they've, they've saved money and they're sitting on a nice nest egg and they're conservative. They don't, they're not, you know, invested in the stock market. Well, those folks have seen their, their income go up significantly. Mm. And so we're seeing a lot of opportunities for our clients to invest in, in certain types of bonds to lock in these five to 6% interest rates. Yep. Um, and so we've been busy, busy with that. And on, on the stock market side of things, uh, you know, what I, what I would say is that for our young, our younger clients, um, to not be nervous about the stock mm. market, even though it's, we think it looks expensive. We, we think that just this process of always buying, whether it's, you know, in your 401k or, money that you're saving every month and investing it just to not interrupt that process by any worries that you might have about the election or the economy. Sure. So I, I would say that although we've spent a lot of time today talking about the economy, that really shouldn't factor into the way that you invest. Um, and certainly we would never let any of our opinions about where we thought the economy was headed or who was going to be elected uh, change how, how or when we were investing our clients' money. So yep. I think stay the course, be patient, expect difficult times to come at some point that mental framework uh will serve investors well in the future because it's always served investors well in the past yeah you know there's another segment that has been interesting you and i've been talking a lot about recently Uh, you know we work with a lot of people that have liquidity events and we've worked with a lot of families that have sold meaningful businesses and a few years ago the options were well you can get almost nothing if you keep the money safe or you put it in the stock market and, and maybe that felt a little bit like gambling to some people who, who you know, were used to investing in their business and investing in themselves. But now with the these liquidity events, they're able to deploy those assets in a pretty safe manner and still get a really, really nice return. And that has gone over really, really well with those families as, as well. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So what we've done with those folks that have a liquidity event, they've sold a business, they've inherited a, a big chunk of money. The way we've approached that is to 
think of the money in terms of two different buckets. Yeah. And in, in the one bucket, we'd call it the safe bucket. And that's where we're going to put our, our cash, our treasury bills, our municipal bonds that pay tax exempt interest. That type of stuff is awesome to buy right now, right? Yep. It's not that it can't get more awesome mm-hmm. or that the yields can't keep going up, um, but able to get, you know, five, six, sometimes 7% return on that money yep. in the safe bucket. And that's great. Um, that means that you can live comfortably on, on income mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And then with the, we call it the legacy bucket or the, the riskier bucket, which is, which is stocks. Um, what we've said there is that, you know, mathematically you're better off investing it all at once. Yep. And that's because 70% of the time the stock market's up. And so given that set of odds, the smart thing to do is just invest it all. But, uh, you know, we, we call it the regret minimization approach is to, um, spread out those purchases over time. And that's what we've done with those, with those folks yep. is that we've taken the eyedropper out and we're just slowly investing the money over a long period of time. Yep. That way, if the market goes up, which it's done this year, great. I had some money put to work in the stock market, whereas you might've been inclined to just wait. On the other hand, if the stock market goes down, that's awesome too, because I've got a lot of cash to play into stocks. And so that approach seems to have worked and resonated pretty well yep. with our clients. Yep. Final question for you. Um, when your boys go to college, do you plan to hire a consultant to help them get in the right fraternity? Uh that's a great question. The answer is no. First of all, let me say no up front. Uh, <laughs> second of all, uh, if they ever even asked me, I'd be shocked. Yeah. You know, because um, they know dad to be pretty, uh, we'll say frugal. Frugal. However you want to define that. But we'll yeah, be frugal, generous. We'll frugal. Yeah. yeah. We'll be generous and call you frugal. Thanks for being here, Daga. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please subscribe and share with your family or friends. If you have a topic you want us to cover in future episodes, send us a note through our website. And if you're at the point where you want an expert opinion on your finances, reach out and we'd be happy to start a conversation. And remember, any comments, insights, or strategies discussed on this podcast are intended to be general in nature and therefore may not be suitable for you and your situation, whatever that may be. Before acting on anything we discuss, please consult with your attorney, CPA, and or your financial advisor.